Thanks, Stu. So can I grab this mic? Yeah. All right, and move around and dance and all kinds of stuff. Good morning, everybody. I want to say an official Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, because it's the, it's the Sunday before Christmas. That's right. That's right. And just a little clarification on Joe's introduction in my crying episode. I don't remember there being tears. You know, there were probably internal tears of joy. That was, you need to, he'll, he'll share you the link, I'm sure. Uh, it was a funny video. But um, it's, it's a huge, huge honor to be with you this morning. Um, I've been here once before to preach, and it was, a, it was a long time ago, and it was when you guys were meeting in the other theater. And, uh, and it's so cool to, to see the progression and the growth of what's taking place in City Bible Church here in Baltimore. You guys have, uh, see Pastor Ben and Rebecca aren't here, so we can say all kinds of stuff about them. Good stuff. And, you know, they can't tell us to stop. But you guys have some of the most amazing pastors on the face of the planet. And I don't say that just because, you know, that's what you're supposed to say when you preach in somebody else's church. But I actually believe that. And I have history with Pastor Ben and Rebecca as well. Uh, when Pastor Ben, he was my youth pastor ages ago. We'll just say that. Ages ago, he was my youth pastor and Joe and Anna. Um, when before my wife and I, which my family's here, my wife Kara, which I won't make her stand up because she doesn't like that. But my wife is here and I have three kids. My oldest son is sitting in here with us today, Colby. And um, But we, before we got married, Pastor Ben and Rebecca in Portland did our premarital counseling. And so we're still married, so I think, I think they did I think they did all right. They did a pretty good job. And I think that was actually, was that the first couple they ever did something like that with? I don't know, but they did an amazing job. And uh, so we have, you guys are like distant family for me. And so to get that chance to come up here and be with you guys, see your faces, meet the people that they you know continuously talk about and brag about and see the people that are serving to make City Bible Church happen here in Baltimore. It's just absolutely amazing. So that's kind of my little hello introduction aspect of it. But if you, if you have a Bible with you, let's read, uh, let's read some scriptures together and turn with me uh, to the book of Luke. And I'm going to start the message today uh, by reading, um, I guess you could call it the traditional passage of Christmas, you know, just the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And today I'm going to talk about uh, I'm going to talk about hope, which it was not it was not you know planned by Pastor Ben for me to preach on hope, and we sang that song at the end. You know, I told him I said you know this is what the title of my message is going to be, uh, which is hope has come. And he goes, well that's cool because we're singing that song hope has come. I'm like, okay, well then it's it's meant to be, so we're we'll stick with that plan and we'll do it. And uh, but I'm going to read just uh, a few verses here in Luke chapter two uh, to really set the stage. Uh, for what I believe God wants to do here this morning. Starting in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, it says, at, the time, the Roman, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius, that's my attempt to say his name, was the governor of Syria. It says that all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. Somebody say scandalous. 
You know, that's a little bit of a situation in that culture. And, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, I love it in the Bible, whenever you see that word suddenly pop up, you need to pay attention. And uh, I don't know how many of you have ever experienced a suddenly moment in your life when out of nowhere God did something that you, you wanted or you didn't know you needed, but and it was unexpected, but God showed up. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news. That's good, I underlined that in my Bible. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all people. That's, that's one line that really begins to sum up and set the stage for what Jesus came to do. Good news, great joy, all people. I love it. Not some people, not the people that are good enough, not the people that measure up, not the people that are all squeaky clean, but all people. It says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And it says, suddenly, there it is again, suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heavens and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened. See, when God does great things, it's not just an intangible. It's not just a metaphor. It is something that you can go and see with your own eyes. It's a tangible thing. And they said, let's go see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And then they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Verse 17, it says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angels had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and all that they had seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And I want to just open up in prayer before we really dig in this morning. Because honestly, I, I really believe that the, the message that God's put in my heart for you guys this morning is a a very specific message for, for you as an individual, uh, for you as a, as a member of your community, and also for, for this church, for where you guys are now, for where you've come from, and even having faith for where God is going to take you with this church in the years to come. So can you, can you bow your heads with me? Let's just invite the Lord to, to open up our hearts. Father, we love you. Uh, God, we just thank you so much. Um, that you loved us, that you took the steps to invade our world, to show your love to us, to give your son. And we just thank you that during this Christmas season that we would remember what it's all about. And it's all about you. And Father, we pray that today that you would open up our hearts, that you would open our eyes to see what you're trying to show us, our, our ears to hear what you would want to say to us. And we just invite you into this time in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. When you, when you hear the word uh, hope, you know, I think for anybody in here, probably everybody, you know, your brain just kind of starts going. You just, you know, hope for, I'm hoping for this, or, you know, I hope that this would happen. And, you know, the Christmas season, I think honestly for everybody, we can say that it evokes a multitude of emotions. 
and a, and a multitude of, of memories, some good, some maybe not so good, maybe things from the past, maybe challenges that you face right now, and, and you know, you hear the Christmas music and, and all the different elements of the season that, that kind of kind of give you those, you know, the seasonal warm fuzzies, if you can call it that. You know, and it's good. I love that. I love, you know, we're driving here from D.C. this morning. We're listening to Christmas music all the way, occasionally singing together as a family, which is a thing of itself, and, and then occasionally not singing or being fussed at by our kids because we're singing and they don't want us to be singing, all the good family stuff. And, um, but I, I think that any large holiday season can bring challenges. And, and I was praying with a couple this morning and that are, are having some things that they're dealing with right now. That they, they have hope that God would be there in the midst of it. And I, I, would, I would venture to say that all of us have at least one thing like that. That we could say that right now, yeah, you know, it's just supposed to be that season where everyone's, you know, smiling and happy and, and merry and eating cookies and, you know, doing all the things that we do during this fun season. But yet there tends to be these things where we're like, but you know what, I just, not, I just don't feel it right now. I just, there's something going on where I just... I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to come through. I don't know how we're going to get to, to the resolution of what's needed, whether it's somebody who's battling an illness or whether it's the memories of those that we've lost before or the challenges of things that we face in the future. And I think my message for you this morning is on this word, hope. Hope has come. And even a, a subtitle, if you're a note taker, I'm a note taker, so I always have a title and a subtitle. I don't know why, but I just do. So my subtitle is, it's going to be all right. You just kind of like politely elbow somebody next to you or around you say, hey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I think that's a message that in our, in our world is a message that's needed to be realized that, hey, it's going to be all right. If we look into the stuff and just being real and transparent, the stuff that we are facing in the present day and age in our nation, in our communities, in our cities, and just the struggles that we're facing, the divisions that we're dealing with, and, and the things that they've been there for a long time, but just certain incidents are, are causing these things to pop up and catch our attention. We need to just kind of sit back and say, hey, it's going to be all right. You know, it's not going to be a, a community leader or, or the government or just, you know, one side or a political party that has an answer, but we need to step back and say, hey, it's going to be all right, but let's figure out how it's going to be all right. Let's figure out how we can find this word hope and give it substance into our current lives. Because I think it's a word that gets used a lot. I mean, you use the word hope, right? You know, I have three kids, so, you know, I, I hope that they brush their teeth correctly, you know. And I hope, I'm, I'm, I live in D.C., and, and forgive me this morning because I know in which city I stand today, but I'm a Redskins fan, so that means every year I'm hoping for something else to happen. You know, being, and y'all can laugh at me because y'all Baltimore and y'all... Pretty every year, you know, you might have a bad year, but a bad year for you is still a winning record where in D.C., every year we're just, you know, God help us. You know, we have hope that something's going to happen. And I don't know how they pulled off what they pulled off last night being the Eagles, but hey, I hope that they can do it again, right? And uh, But I want us to give some definition to the word hope as we get into it this morning. Because uh, if we don't, I feel like we can just base this off of whatever our own experience of the word hope is. So uh, just kind of bear with me and, and let me give you a definition. Uh, defining hope, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Also a favorable or a confident expectation. I like that last one, a favorable or a confident expectation. Because I can't say that every time I use that word hope, that it is a favorable and, and, a, and, a, and a confident expectation. 
It's kind of like this hope upon hope. I'm just kind of throwing something into the air and hoping that it works. And, and I think that unless we keep our eyes fixed on, on something that is solid and that hope in Jesus Christ, even our relationship with God can be something that we just toss it up in the air and hope that it's going to work out. But God wants us to have a lot more solid confidence in the hope that we place in Him than just throwing it up like, you know, like grass or chaff in the wind and just hope that everything works out. He wants us to know that when we place that hope in Him, that it's not going to be disappointed. And He leads us into the right direction and path that allow us to see the way that He is working it out. Because I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of circumstances where I put my hope in God for a situation, but I had already predetermined how I wanted that hope to work out. And it didn't work out the way that I had hoped that it did. But you know what? It would work out. Why? Because God's got a perfect plan that's greater than the plan that I have. It's greater than the thoughts that I have. He, he knows how to do things better than I do. And I'm kind of grateful for that. So even in a world where we face lots of disappointment, we need to have hope. I love, I got this quote uh, from Dr. King and I love it. He says, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Never lose infinite hope. So as we kind of get into the text this morning, I want to give you a little, a little background on this scripture that we read. You know, it's not just the traditional Christmas scripture. And since it's the Sunday before Christmas, it's mandatory for a preacher to read from Luke chapter 2. I believe that it is a very dynamic, powerful passage because we have to look at the context of what's taking place here. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus is being born and he's not showing up as a full-grown man, as a conquering king on chariots, you know, riding and he's coming in as a baby, eight pounds, six ounce, little baby Jesus, coming into the scene. But prior to this, we need to know what's going on. In the Old Testament, there, if you read through most any book of the Old Testament, what do you see? Lots of supernatural, don't you? There's, there's miracles happening. There's signs and wonders that are taking place. There's prophets and there's angels and there's, you know, the Red Sea's parting and food's coming from heaven. And, and I mean, all these things are taking place throughout the Old Testament that show that, that clear presence and involvement of God and His divine power with His people. But when you get to the end of the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament in the Bible is the book of Malachi. And what, what my... Uh, my Bible doesn't say in between the pages is what happens next. Because when you get to the end of the book of Malachi and you turn the page, in my Bible there's one piece of paper that goes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And in that one piece of paper it says New Testament. So that you know you're going into the New Testament. But that's the thickest piece of paper that's ever existed on the face of the planet. And I'll tell you why. Because there's 400 years of dead radio silence between God and His people from the end of Malachi to Jesus showing up in the scene in the Gospels. 400 years. Now can you imagine being in a culture where it is so common to see angels showing up and prophets bringing words and, and, and you know droughts being eliminated because the prophet said, okay, the drought's over. Boom, rain. People are running you know, for high ground. Or you lived in a place where when, when God's people were hungry, the man of God said, all right, God's bringing uh, quail, and it all comes in. I mean, just miracles like that that just happen like it's, it's nobody's business. To go from that to a, a 400-year period of time where there is nothing, not a word from God, not a miracle, not a prophet declaring the word of God, nothing. 
And, and some people, well, why did God do that? That doesn't seem like the loving, gracious, kind, you know, loving God. That doesn't seem like something that he would do. But this is my thought. And I submit it to you this morning. My thought is that God wanted to clear the air during that season of time. So that when his plan was unfolded for his son, Jesus Christ, to enter the world, that there, there were no other distractions, no other copycats, no other, no other things going on that would detract from the power of what was about to happen. And they go from 400 years of radio silence with God to all of a sudden we got shepherds just minding their own business, watching, watching their sheep out in the fields, and it says an angel, boom, pops up. Now, if we were to, to just kind of look at the literalness of that 400 years, this is the first time that something like this has happened in that 400 years. An angel shows up to a shepherd, one of the lowliest jobs that existed during that time. And he tells them what's about to happen. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it says that he was joined by hosts, plural, not just a host, but hosts of angels declaring and the praises of God. And it says, you know, there's actually uh, some theologians that, that think that the word host isn't just a generalization, but the word host actually means a group of about 10,000. So if there were hosts, how many angels came out of nowhere and were just filling the atmosphere that for 400 years had been silent with hope and with miracles, all of a sudden, boom, here come these angels. And I love it because all of a sudden we have this supernatural explosion of God's power and His love being brought back, not just to the, to the Israelites, not just to the Hebrew culture, but for all people, which was a giant shift in the world at that particular time. And, the, and again, the fact that Jesus came as a baby and not as a full-grown man, it, it gives me hope because Jesus had to develop as a human being. He was fully God, but He was fully man. And He grew up as from a baby to a toddler, to, a, to an adolescent, to a preteen, to a teenager, to a young man. He had to go through the things of life that you and I have to go through. And I think that's another element of what brings hope because God is not a foreigner in our very existence to what you and I have to go through in the seasons of our life because He walked through it Himself. And that in itself gives, up, gives us hope of what God calls us to in our lives. And one of the main revelations that I just kind of take away from this thought is that the, the immediate entrance of Jesus into any situation, regardless of how hopeless, brings immediate supernatural hope. And I think that's something that we can take for ourselves this morning. Regardless of how hopeless of a situation we may face, regardless of how hopeless of a situation that we may be thinking is in front of us because we don't know what the future holds and you know we got relationships that are messed up or you know, my marriage isn't where it should be or you know I'm, I'm hoping for a job, my finances, you know, whatever it may be, you can have assurance that inserting Jesus into your situation is going to bring immediate supernatural hope of what lies ahead. I'm going to give you guys three really quick thoughts this morning of, of where we can apply the hope that comes from Jesus. And I think it covers a good array of life. And I'm going to give those to you and then we'll talk about them. The first one is Jesus brings hope from your past. And the second one is Jesus brings hope for your future. And the third one is Jesus brings hope for your future. Did I say future twice? Because I skipped one important one, which is a present. (laughs) Hope from your past, hope for your present, and hope in your future. 
hope in your future. I'm going to talk about your past for a second. Now, you may not want to talk about your past. There's plenty of things in my past that I don't, you know, I don't necessarily want to bring up. I don't necessarily want to have to rehash them in my mind. I don't want to have to go over the things that are in my background, in my past, things that I, was, that I wasn't proud of, things that I've been through, things that have hurt me, and, and things that maybe have caused me to have to grow and deal with certain things in the future. But the reality is, is that the past is something that unifies everybody. You know why? Because we all got one. We all have a past. We all have things that are a part of who we used to be. And, and I, as I was thinking of uh, just, you know, God, what is the main scripture that you want to connect to this? He gave me 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. And it says that, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. And at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. And this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. His, uh, he has been born again. And the old life is gone and a new life has become. And I think one of the greatest misconceptions that plagues our culture, and I use that word plague in a very serious way, is that we live in a culture where we're always trying to fix what was messed up. Whether we're trying to fix ourselves or whether we're trying to fix somebody else, you know, whatever may be our solution in our culture always seems to be let's fix what's messed up. But the cool thing is, is that in Christ, he doesn't try to fix you. Did you know that God doesn't want to fix you? That sounds very hopeful. No, but God doesn't want to fix you. He wants to reinvent you. He wants to recreate you. When you give your life to Christ, you actually are born again. That's where if you hear that that word talked about in in church circles, being born again, what that actually means is that you're not being fixed from your old self to try to be a good person so you can act Christian and try to do something good for God. No, it means that you are now not the person that you were before. I'm telling you, that's good news for somebody. That was good news for me. That I don't have to try to uh, retrain my thoughts. I don't have to try to modify my behavior. I just need to learn how to be this new person from the inside out that God has created me to be. And I love that it says that anyone who is in Christ, anyone, you know, you do some of the original Greek and Hebrew and study that, you know, anyone actually means anyone. I mean, that's a huge... That's a huge, you know, brainstorm right there and a bad joke. But um, anyone is in Christ. There's no limitations. There's no no limitations to your financial situation. There's no limitations to the color of your skin. There's no limitations to what city you were born and raised in. There's no limitations to what others speak into your life. You are now a brand new person who has eternal hope, that has eternal destiny, that has things that God is creating you and calling you to do, that regardless of what your past was, it's not going to hold you back from where you're going in the future. And I think, you know, just kind of a, a final thought for this point is that when I think of past and then I think of trying to move forward in God, I, I get this visual picture of somebody who is just bound up in chains. And maybe you can kind of visualize this with me. They're, they're trying to get somewhere, but they've got strings and they've got chains that are holding them back, that are connected to to what people have said, connected to things that maybe you've done, connected to elements of your past that you're not proud of. And we try to move forward, but we, but we can't because we have these chains wrapped around us. There's a song out that a lot of churches are singing that is called, uh, break, is it called Break These Chains? Break Every Chain. And I love it. such a simple song, but it just declares that God is doing a new thing. God is doing something. And to do that, He is breaking every 
chain. And, and when God uh, releases you from the chains of your past, I don't think he just kind of sweeps them under the carpet. I actually think that what he does is he uses those chains to build a platform for you to stand on top of and it launches you into the future that he's called you to. So what you were is no longer who you are, but it's what God uses to send you forward in his relationship with you. Number two, hope in your present. I'm going to go through this one really quick. But we need to understand that your present is, is today. It's, it's what you know. It's where you are. It's what you woke up this morning, your eyes opened, and immediately your brain took off, right? It started thinking of, man, i got to do this, or man, I haven't done this yet. I haven't finished you know, whatever I'm doing for Christmas. Uh, you're, you're thinking about the stuff that you're going to face after the, the holiday break is over. You know, i got a couple of days off work coming, and, but right after that I have to do this, and your brain is just going and going and going. And sometimes we feel defeated, and I believe that in our present, the hope that God wants to give us in our present situation is hope for victory in everything that you face. God wants you to be a winner, and again, it's not something that you have to manufacture on your own strength. It's something that you will find in Him. It's something that you will find strength and security for today in who God is in you. Because again, you're not relying on your own strength. You're not relying on your own ability. You're relying on putting your hope in Christ the scripture came to me, Romans 8, uh, 37. It says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors for, uh, through Him who loved us. It's God's uh, life inside of us. It gives that ability to win over the things that try to defeat us. And we don't have to get into a, an over-spiritualization uh, over of, of, of angels and demons and the enemies against me. Yeah, yeah, we have an enemy. And yet He doesn't want you to be who God created you to be. But your focus isn't on that. Your focus is, is on who is going to give you the ability to win and become who he created you to be. And that's Jesus Christ, and that's where that hope comes from. Hope in your present is not the absence of adverse circumstances, but it's the presence of faith in Jesus to come through no matter what. That's something that we can, you can take that to the bank. That's not a, a hope upon hope. That's a hope upon something that is solid. And then last but not least, hope for your future. How many of you want to have a great hope for your future? You want, to, you want to hope that where you are right now is not where you will end up. Where you are right now is just preparation for where God's taken you and for what He wants to do in your life. The, if you're single, the spouse that God has for you. If you're married, the marriage that God has in store for you that is even better than what you are experiencing now. Whether it's a job or employment, you know, whether you are in school and still studying, doesn't matter what it may be. The, pre the future that God has for you is greater than the present in which you live right now. And I think sometimes people kind of get caught up, even if they have something good going on right now, they're like, okay, well, you know, that's pretty good. I'm okay with this. I can settle with this. But God doesn't want you to settle because your life is bigger than just you. Your life becomes an instrument of God to shine and to get bigger. Not so that you can get bigger for yourself, but so that your influence and your impact begets, becomes to get bigger and bigger with those that are around you. The last scripture I want to share with you on this is something that is just so simple. It's, it's Jeremiah 29, 11, and maybe you've heard this scripture a lot. It's, it's one of those like timeless classics that gets used a lot. It says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, and they are plans for good, not for disaster. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on, God wants to give you not just the future, but hope within your future. I think anybody can have future. Future just means tomorrow. But, but God wants you to have hope in that future. 
that is going to be something that he blesses, something that he anoints, something that he strengthens you and, and equips you and empowers you to do that is going to be bigger than just your life, but it begins to impact those around you. And I want to wrap up with this and, and kind of even uh, have our, our piano player join us and just kind of uh, give some background music as we kind of wrap this up. Because in a minute, I'm just going to pray for you, but this is what I'm going to pray. And this is something that I'll probably, I'll raise my hand for it for myself. Because I know in my life, I, I want to see a greater sense and a greater source of hope in my life. I, I know there are moments where I should be standing strong as a man of God in faith, knowing that God's going to come through, but there's moments where weakness creeps in. And I, I can quote a scripture, but then I find myself saying, but, but this is going on and this is how I feel. And, and I, I know for myself, I want to be stronger in that area. And it's not, I'm not going to be stronger just because I decide that I'm going to be tougher. I'm going to be stronger when I continue to stop arguing with my flesh about who my flesh tries to say that God is. But I continue to stand on that solid rock foundation of who God is. And I say, it doesn't matter whether the storms continue to rage around me. It doesn't matter whether things go the way that I think they're going to go or not. I know that God is who he says he is. I know that God's word is what it says it is. And that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. And I know that regardless of what goes on around me, that the hope that I place in God is never going to fail. I have one last scripture that kind of brings it all together. If you will just kind of bear with me and listen along. It's in Hebrews chapter 6. Starting in verse 18, it says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. That's good news. Therefore, we who have fled uh, to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to this hope that lies before us. And here's this famous verse that that so many people uh, use. This hope is a strong and a trustworthy anchor for our souls. A strong and a trustworthy anchor for our souls. Who is that hope? It's Jesus. And it paints this picture of a, of a ship that's out at sea and it's, there's bad weather around it and it's moving it around, but there's this anchor that has been let down. And that anchor isn't going to slide. That anchor is, is bound into the solid presence of God. And Jesus is, not, is the anchor. It's not an anchor that we hold and we're hoping to hook it on to Jesus. Jesus is the actual anchor. And then what is that thing that ties us to the anchor? Because if an, if an anchor isn't connected to a vessel... <laughs> It doesn't really do a whole lot of good. The rope that connects us to the anchor is faith. And that's why even when it comes to salvation, we have to have faith so that we can accept that gift, that gift of salvation from God. I mean, you take that rope and you just tie it around your waist. You double, triple knot it. Use some Boy Scout knots that I don't even know what they are. But you just hold on to that rope because it doesn't matter what begins to go on around you as long as you are connected to that anchor which is Jesus Christ, there's absolutely nothing that can destroy you or keep you from becoming who God created you to be. That's what I want to pray for you just to wrap things up now. And Will you bow your heads with me and just close your eyes? And, and, and I'm going to pray. You know, Normally at this point I would say, you know, hey, if you want me to pray for you for more hope in your life, raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for everybody. I'm going to pray for this city because I believe it's something that, that God is looking to do in a greater, uh, uh, in a greater way for this, for this city and even for our nation. Not that we put hope upon hope, hope in legislation, hope in politics, hope in this or that, but hope in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the only unifying uh, symbol in our world that can actually bring things together where there, where there exists great divisions.
But Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for the hope that we find in you. I pray for every single individual in this room and for those that would hear this message, God, that you would reveal yourself to them, God. We thank you that in you, we have hope from our past. That we're not held back from it. We have hope for our present today. Every day that we wake up, that we have hope in that day, no matter what we face, because we are anchored in you. And that we have hope for our future, our tomorrow, the things that lie ahead of us. Things that we don't even know about yet, God. That we have that hope because we place it in you. And I ask God that as we walk out today and we get ready to to face Christmas and, and be around loved ones, friends and family, and whether we are struggling with emotions or whether it's a happy time, God, I pray that we would put that hope in you, that hope that doesn't disappoint. Jesus, because you came to this earth, you are a living hope something that is alive. You didn't just die and go into the grave. You rose from the dead. And because of that, we have assurance of that hope because you are a living God with a living hope and a living purpose and plan for our lives. And we thank you for that today, God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come and talk about Jesus to you. I'm going to give it back to uh, to Joe. And I think Joe's going to going to take it from there but again god bless you guys have a very very merry christmas and uh, and hopefully we'll be able to see you guys again soon here in the near future amen amen thank you guys thanks joe all right everybody thank you pc as i call it he was the first one i abbreviated now pb got it too all right so we're going to do one more song it's a fun song and it's kind of our walkout song so you are